From a wide range of embroidery classes to talks and special events, Royal School of Needlework's International Summer School offers so much. Immerse yourself in the world of the RSN with its world-renowned tuition and treat yourself to this Festival of Stitch in July and August 2024. The Royal School of Needlework is offering four ways to get involved this year. You can join the International Summer School on-site at Hampton Court Palace and at the Royal School of Needlework Durham in the UK, as well as Lexington, Kentucky in the United States of America. There are also online classes available live so students can join in anywhere from around the world. There's a wonderful variety of techniques to explore for those who are starting out on their hand embroidery journey all the way through to advanced stitches. So whether you want to follow a kit-based design, explore your own creativity using your own materials in a more contemporary way, or focus on developing your personal design skills, there will be a class that appeals to you. The Royal School of Needlework International Summer School classes will provide experienced stitchers with an opportunity to engage in a longer or more advanced project while allowing those newer to the world of hand embroidery to try a shorter course to build and develop their skills. The full list of classes and more information about the Royal School of Needlework International Summer School is available at royal-needlework.org.uk with special offers for booking multiple classes and an early bird booking price available until the 29th of February 2024. Whether you're planning on attending in person, online, or a combination of the two, this is a fantastic opportunity to improve your stitching skills from one of the best schools in the world. Welcome to Needle Exchange, conversations on the art of thread. John Thomas Paradiso is a Washington-based artist who has been exploring the intimacy of gay culture through needlework for over 30 years. Using hand-embroidered quilting techniques, working on surfaces including leather and suede, and using traditional materials like doilies to mask the graphic parts of his subjects, John's work treads the line between pornography and personal portraiture. His art is unapologetic in its openness and his expressions of the passion of gay love are both sensitive and sensational. In our needle exchange we talk about how John's artistic career has run alongside the timeline of the HIV pandemic, the value in reappropriating homophobic slurs and how his art has defined his own queer identity. As always, you can dive deeper into John's work on our YouTube channel, although his most graphic work can be found on his website. Needle Exchange is on a mission to bring textile art into mainstream culture, so if you are a fan of needlework, please share this podcast with people you know so that we can grow and shine lights onto other brilliant artists. Enjoy the show! the length of time you spend making these pieces does that happen do you weave narratives for them as you're going on by the time you finish a piece that's taken you 10 months do you know that person as though they're a real person well it's interesting because to stitch your nephew's boyfriend so closely i'm like touching the contours of his body 
in my work. So that's very interesting. Uh, um, it's, I'm always, it, when I'm making work, it, new work pops up. Mm. So it's more about like, I had the thought of the quilt I'm working on here while I was making that quilt, you know, mm. it, it working. Cause I'm just doing stitch stitch. There's no, once I, the drawings down and I do my first stitch through to see if I've made the figure correctly, uh, you know, cause like a nostril can just screw the whole thing up. <laughs> uh, so, you know, once I'm sure of that, um, if I'm going to stitch out the background, that's just, a million hours. Mm. It's not any thought. Like I can watch TV and just look up at the sex scenes and then look back down as I'm stitching, you know, like it just, you can do any, I can go visit my mom and talk to her for three hours and just stitch and stitch and stitch. I don't have to think, mm. you know, mm. um, it's more in the, the very beginnings of the piece, but the piece that I'm working on now, I printed fabric. I made pansy fabric. I mean, I've been printing black and white, you know, gray scale pansies. And then I dyed it and made all these, I cut out all these appliques. So the background's going to be all appliqued this time. Right. Um, but I'm excited about the new piece. You'll see it. I mean, I think it's only going to take me about six months. So <laughs> have you, I mean, do you do much machine work? Cause obviously that's a massive time saver. Um, no, you know, there's, I feel like there's so many great machines that, hand stitching will be really unique again and there's you know i'm not if you really look at my quilts they're not really that good i mean they i, I love this piece but if you look at a quilter's quilts they're like phenomenal i have such a respect for people who make quilts and and can sew but there's something about doing it by hand that I just really love, mm. uh, I want to make it, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm afraid of my sewing machine. I mean, it, it can jam up. It does things, you know, if I'm making a quilt, that's a pattern quilt, like log cabin or something, I will stitch the top layer. And if I'm using like caution tape and danger tape, the plastics, I will use the machine because I need that stitch, that good stitch, the whole plastic together until I quilt it down to the fabric. Mm. But, um, but for this, I think there's something nice about the hand quality to it because the foreshortening's off. I mean, I'm taking a photograph that has foreshortening like this, you can tell, but if you dr stitch this, yeah. it looks fucking weird. And I, you know, I, I, the one I'm working on now, his arms are like this and I'm not quite sure how it's going to look once I, put the quilt up if it's going to look like he has little tiny arms. Um, but I may go in with some dyes too. So, it, you know, there's, it, but there's something nice. I, I want, it used to be more of a naive hand, mm -hmm. but I've been stitching a lot now and my lines get pretty sharp. So it looks a lot less naive than it did when I first started, but it still has that quality to it and very home sewn. You know, there's something, it is about nostalgia a lot for mm. me. It is about looking back and growing old as much as being sexually active and identity issues. Uh, I didn't think I would grow old. So to grow old is, is interesting. And there's a lot of people that I'm not growing old with mm. that I would have been growing old with. So it, it's complicated 
And that's, that's not so much, it's in the work, but no one's going to see it but me because I know. And so it's a nostalgic thing. Also, my two grandmothers crocheted and stitched and embroidered everything just to make it pretty. Mm. So like I have all these towels that have a crocheted edge because they were inexpensive towels that they wanted to look really nice in their house. So I, I wish they were around because they're really skilled and I learned nothing from them because when they were alive, I was not trying to sew. I was trying to throw a ball or something. So, uh, but I have all that stuff in my house, mm. you know, and it's, it's touching to me. And I love that it's pretty and that they sat and did this stuff for their home. You know, so so hand stitching feels nostalgic, and it and I feel in touch with my grandparents in that way. You know, that kind of thing. It's all in my head, but whatever to get through the day, right? No, no, no. But I think that's that's a legit thing to say because I mean, like, the American quilt is part of the American story, and it's a form of documentary that people have used for a very long time. And your work is documenting things as you go, as you go through the different time periods. Then you've got that sort of arts and crafts layer that says, if you're going to make something, make it beautiful. And the thing that I'm thinking is, you know, you're entering that work into a quilt show. It will be interesting to see what the other quilters say, because they're not that bothered about the content. They're looking at the form. They're looking at the way you've, and the fact that you've hand stitched, it means they'll appreciate that from a technical standpoint. So it's a good, like, sort of it leapfrogs what the content is because like that quilt behind you you know it's like seeing michelangelo's david they're not a million miles away from one another it's just a naked guy it's the context that makes you feel a certain way about it and i feel like in a quilt competition it won't be judged on like i say what the content is it will be judged on the way you've delivered that content and the well i don't think you can totally eliminate content because if you're jurying something, you have to stand behind every piece. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you have to say, I wanted this because. And so I don't think, so I, it took, you know, I, there was a show I wanted to enter. And when I realized I would never get the quilt done in time, uh, I knew that I had now a year more to enter the show. So I finished my piece several months after the first submission date, waited the year, entered it again. And didn't get invited to be in the show. And I was heartbroken, right? Mm. Heartbroken. So, but I immediately went on uh, one of those submission sites and found another quilt show and entered it. And it had a shorter uh, length between submission and acknowledgement. And they took it. So uh, we'll see what happens. And I'm going to go to the opening and there's a whole quilt conference around it and and see what people think. And uh and the the jurors are these national quilt judges, like they're certified quilt judges. Okay, one's been doing it for a really long time. They've both been doing it for a while. So there is an art category, mm-hmm. uh, which is the category I entered. So, but I don't, you know, it'll be interesting to see if there's any other like naked guys in the show. <laughs> but a lot of times I'm in shows, like I was in a show in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, it was a, a craft show, their annual craft show. And I entered it because my sister-in-law lived in Wichita. And I thought, well, we'll finally go visit her in Wichita if I get in this show. So I got in and we went and it was, and they, the, but I looked at the juror was from New York. 
So I said, I got a shot to get in. And I'll tell you, I was the only guy with figurative work, let alone naked men. Right, right, right. And, you know, it is it is something to be the guy with the naked man instead of the guy with the beautiful patchwork quilt, mm-hmm. you know? Cause they were like, that was what all the work was like beautiful patchwork. I mean, it was like really high end craft. It was gorgeous, but I won best in show. Oh, amazing. So yeah. it was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I did a needle exchange with Joetta Maui and we were talking about how textile art, always gets called textile art, you know, in kind of whatever context, they always stick the word textile on it. So it doesn't get judged as being art by itself. And I wondered, you're in these two realms, aren't you? Because you're in textile art, and then you're also in queer art. And you sometimes wonder if there'll ever be a day where your work just gets called art, or do you think the labels are intrinsic to it? Well, I mostly just enter shows, right? you know, that are art shows, mm-hmm. you know, this is sort of my second and the, and the, the big quilt show at, in Boston, someone knew of my work and told the curators and they were coming to the Smithsonian to get a piece that the Smithsonian owned and my studio's near there. So they came to visit me and they took a pee. I couldn't believe it. Um, and they just wanted to have a great show. So they had things in there that you know, there was a quilt made out of film strips, you know, so things weren't a fabric and three layers and stuff. So most of the shows I enter are queer shows, you know, Mm. uh, or shows about the figure or a drawing show. Like I'll send a stitched piece into a drawing show because it's a drawing. Mm. And I know not many people, if any, are sending in stitched work. So it's different enough. And that pendulum swings both ways. It could be too different for the vision or it could be, you know, different enough to may add something to the show uh, or they just don't like it, you know, like, I don't know because <laughs> I'm not there, but um, so I, you know, but entering this quilt show is a whole different thing. Like I have to put a little thing on the back left corner with my, you know, like just things mm. that I don't normally do uh four inch sleeve, you know, I, I don't think of those things. I just, you know, figure it out for myself. Yeah. And there's, there's even like, just like different rules. Um, but, you know, I'm really excited to be in a quilt show because I, I made a quilt, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. So I think it's going to be exciting to be with, you know, I spent a year, over a year stitching like five days a week, five hours a day. Wow. Because at the end of five hours, my shoulders and neck, I just start feeling it. And if I go any further, I'm going to be in pain the next day. Mm-hmm. So I stop and go cook or whatever needs to be done and and i sometimes it's seven days a week but on average i would probably say five Mm -hmm. and that's a lot yeah so i want to be around people who like have put in that kind of time to make a wall hanging yeah uh and see what what they're talking about that's what i mean i think i think that they'll respect i think they'll respect the work because they'll understand you know what i mean that's what i was sort of saying it's like Obviously, the content's important, but they're going to be looking at how you've made that thing, how flat it hangs when you hang it on the wall and all those sorts of things and really come at you with a technical respect. Well, uh, no one can say I didn't put in the time because there's a <laughs> lot of switches. And that, you know, part of that is, you know, a way to couch the sexuality nature of the work, 
You know, when I was in graduate school, it was very hard because I was making work where I was having sex with men and my professors really didn't want to look at it. But I had to make it look like art. And I did. And it was it is art and was art. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a uh, consequence of the work I make. But, you know, it's important. And if I could make something else, I would. But obviously, like this is the the driving force of what I want to talk about. And I think like my graduate work could hang in the same room as this quilt and make sense. Okay. So, you know, the mediums have changed. um, And some of the dialogue has expanded. That's sort of the life in general part. Um, But it, it, it's, I've been making the same thing in different ways and talking about it just just it's just a longer thought process around it because I'm living longer. You said uh, in an interview that if you had a book title, it would be called "Honoring My Feminine Side While Striving to Be More Masculine." And as someone who is the age that you are now, are you getting there? Have you settled into that tension a bit more, or is this still what the work's kind of exploring? I think it's that's an ongoing process um, because I think. I'll never be as masculine as that idea mm-hmm. of masculinity that I see in other people. And that, and I've learned at this age not to judge myself by somebody else, but I have to remind myself of that while I'm judging myself, <laughs> looking at somebody else. So, uh, and, you know, I have a feminine side, you know, like it's not, it's, you know, when I'm walking it doesn't happen much these days, but to, for somebody to yell faggot outside the window as they're driving by you, it's not my masculine side they're responding to. Mm. So, you know, I have to, I've always had to embrace that. Plus, I'm passive sexually, and I feel like that is, has, has an implication to my life and my thought process. It's part of who I am, and it's it just, it's all part of it. So, um, yeah, I, I always want to honor my feminine side uh, because I think femininity is powerful too. Mm. You're like, you know, it doesn't mean weak and strong either. Mm. I mean, especially if you say something like that in front of a woman, they'll be like, what are you talking about? So, you know, I was like, no, no, no. Because, you know, I, I, I never use the term, I cried like a little girl because the last time I did that, I almost got punched by a big girl. Um, so I was like, I didn't mean any offense by that. You know, like that was more of an old school gay guy thing. Mm-hmm. I think I was saying not a anti, you know, woman a week thing. Cause I don't think that, you know, but you know, I have to think about my words and, you know, being seen as feminine by straight men growing up, was challenging. Mm-hmm. And I stayed in the closet till I was 22. I would, you know, engage to be married to a woman. I tried to be straight. I, like I put in my honest try just wasn't going to happen. Mm. And, but I would like to be really strong and masculine too. It's just not going to happen. You know? So <laughs> I'm like honoring my feminine side and striving to be more masculine. You yeah. know, yeah. it's just, it's an ongoing core thing my life is much broader than that. And, but you know, when I'm trying to like narrow things down for 
artist statements and things. I'm trying to like get to core things. And that's a core thing mm. that I know about myself. So to like put a leather guy behind a doily, mm. I think that's talking about that, you know, um, thinking about the gay leather men talking about a Barney sale. I think that's talking about that for me, for me. Mm. Um, yeah. So. Because that was the thing I was just wondering. I just feel like every decade you go through, you know, I've got like 50s looming in the horizon for me. And every decade you go through, I think you can let yourself go a little bit more. That sounds wrong. But you, you don't have to beat yourself up about the things you're not anymore. You know, and the way that other people think not about you. Not a gay man. No, I'm <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, uh, I think that's true. Um, and I also think like, you still, if you haven't done the inner work, mm. it's, you're going to be the same. You know, and I've done inner work and I'm still, you know, vain. Uh, you know, it's hard to grow old and be vain, but I'm doing it because I have well. a lot of vanity. I mean, this, I'm wearing black and it's cutting me here, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> and it, this is pre No, well, you know, it just, yes. But you also, what you're going to realize when you do turn 50 is that, you know things and your body knows things mm. and it's a very different experience i mean i'm 61 and a half so but you know also when you think you're not going to live past 25 mm. like that's a conscious thing and then you know then you're still not sure ever uh you tend to let things go in a different way as well when you get older and so i am you know i'm also married uh, uh, well, and, and I'm only married a year, but I've been with my partner for 23. Right. Um, so I really just want his social security if he goes first, but uh, <laughs> you have to be married for that. Um, because marriage is a really weird institution, you know, uh, he didn't, you know, it was a, not a great contract for him. Let's just say it was a great contract for me. Not so great for him, yeah. but you know, we were together and I always thought, you know, that, uh, a testament to our relationship was not being married and staying together for 23 years, you know? Mm. Um, but you know, marriage is really just a piece of paper, uh, for a contract, uh, for legality stuff. Cause we've been together forever, but also being in a relationship for that long and building a life, like on the other side of this wall is his studio. And we live not even a block from our studios and we come here every day and, you know, after the gym and stuff. So, you know, you let things go when you have a life that feels more like the life you wanted mm. and you're older. He's older than me and he's in his sixties too. So we're looking back at things in a different way. Mm. And do you, when you look back at like the, your early times, like you say, immersing yourself in your work, taking photographs of yourself and the kind of the imagery that you were producing 20 30 years ago how do you feel about it now because i guess it's kind of nostalgic right yeah in a lot of ways it was the best work i've ever made which uh you know it's like it was it was the most in touch with what i was living through um so i really i cherish that work mm. uh and the experiences that surround it um but with all that said, I love being in my studio and just making art. I mean, the studio is the only place where I don't have to answer to anyone. Mm -hmm. It's the only place in my life where I do not have to answer to one single person. 
and or consider them. Yeah. Uh, where everywhere else, just as being a decent human being, I will consider you. You know, yeah. but in my studio, I mean, if you come in and I invited you in, that's a different story. But when I'm here, it's just my own thoughts, my decisions. They have no consequences to anybody but me. Um, I fail. I succeed. It's just me. Mm. And it's the only place uh, that I feel that way. Do you feel that your work is heading in a particular direction? Like if we talk again in five years time, can you say now what you think you'll be working on in, at that time? It, it's evolving. I, you know, so now a lot of my life while I'm stitching is fantasy too. I will tell you that. So I fantasize that I've made 10 of these and they're on one wall in this huge space. And on the other wall are 10 beds with, you know, quilts with headboards. I don't know if I have enough life left in me to make all the work <laughs> I want to make, you know, cause so my, my, uh, my definition of success as an artist is I'm working on a piece. I've just finished a piece and I have something in mind to make. And as long as I'm doing that, I feel successful. Now I have goals, you know, I want to be in museum collections or in prominent collections. I want, I want to be interviewed by you. Like there, there's goals, but just to be successful, because I work in, a, I live in an arts district and there are hundreds of artists in walking distance of me and, and at least 150 studios. And I've done a lot of community work here. And a lot of them are commercially successful and I'm not overly commercially successful. I sell work, but I don't make work thinking it's going to be hot off the press. Mm. Like what people want to look at and what they want to own can be two <laughs> different things. And my, and I don't make work thinking commercially. So I had to think a different way of success because I feel as successful as somebody who's commercially selling a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I came up with that. So I could just know I'm being successful. Mm. Um, but like I said, I have goals. I would love gallery representation or something. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, but I would like it. Um, I would like to work every, you know, in a you know, for a gallery that I just work really hard for two years and you show some work and then I'll go back and work hard again. And then I can show in other places too, but that would be a, that's a fantasy. Um, so I think that it's going to evolve, but you know, it, it's slow. This, that's the only thing, it, you know, if I really can only make one or two of these a year and I'm not going to ask anybody to come and sit and stitch with me. Mm. Um, and not that I have anything, you know, I think people who have assistance, that's great. I just, I want to do it myself. Mm. I want it to be my work all, you know, to know that I did every stitch. We'll see what happens. But, you know, I've been really lucky too with a lot, you know, I'm in some good collections and yeah, I, you know, feel good about that i think that's great i think that's great uh, i'm going to ask you some big important questions now as if we haven't already done big important questions um do you have a favorite album so i think my favorite album i thought about this mm -hmm. is nick of time by bonnie Raitt. okay and it has to do with it was sort of the soundtrack to the love affair i had when i first moved to new york city my my lover at the time and it was a great relationship experience. I love New York City. Like, I wish I still lived in New York City. I couldn't have the life I have now in New York City. But and I go to New York a lot. Mm. Uh, tons of friends there still. But when I moved there, uh, I moved in with this guy and, and 
love of my life. And uh, so that soundtrack was sort of our songs, like it was happening around us. So that is really my, and I love Bonnie Raitt too. So that's really my favorite album. Do you listen to music while you're working? I don't. Uh, I listen to music if I'm on the treadmill. Right. Um, but when I'm when I'm working, I listen to books on tape, mm-hmm. or I'll put in a movie I've seen a million times so I can see it in my head yeah. and just listen to it. It's really uh, just I don't like silence, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes I'll turn everything off because my husband will play music a lot and loud, so I can listen to that. And he plays like one day it's Nina Simone, the next day it's Johnny Cash. I mean, it makes no sense, to me. but. <laughs> He's, you know, he's really like, he'd be better at answering these, that question. But, um, so I do, if it's coming from his space, but no, normally I'm listening to books on tape. Okay. Then so your favorite book then, do you have a favorite book? Yeah. Uh, so my favorite, I think all time book is, uh, uh, close to the knives by David Wanarovich. And, uh, he's one of my favorite artists. I'm very inspired by him. And that book is really like honest and brutal and New York. And uh, if you haven't read it, Mm. I think you'd. Yeah. What's it about? What's it about? And it holds up. I read it every once in a while. Um, I also love Letters to a Young Poet by Rilke, um, Mm. but for different reasons. Okay. So. Yeah, but it's, this is an aside, but me and my wife have made the conscious decision to not have our phones in our bedrooms when we go to sleep, which has unlocked reading again for us now. So we sit there and do a bit of reading. And with me, I always either read business books or comic books. So actually finding interest in fictions and biographies and stuff like that is tricky. So I'm up for recommendations like that. Um, so it's called, what is it? Close to the Knives? Close to the Knives, David Wanarovich. Mm. And the front cover are like these bisons going off a cliff. <laughs> Brilliant. That sounds perfect. He um, is, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but no. I would also look that up because just really important. He, a person with AIDS died in the 90s, I believe. Um, just really, really just profound work. It was... Just it it's it's chilling and brilliant, and he is he lived a life that I was very attracted to, but a little fearful of. Um, so it, it's an interesting book. I don't I, even if it's not sort of subject matter you'd be interested in. I think that you'd still find it an interesting book. Yeah, man, because it's so truthful and and you know it's a biography, right. Yeah, I'm always up for that. I'm up for that. I like kind of reading things that I don't know whether I like. I just read some Alice Munro, which were short stories, and I was like, they were kind of interesting. And I read some Percival Everett, which was like a lot more to do with like race and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, I'll try anything really. Happy about that. Uh, And this is also historical now mm -hmm. in a different way. Uh, So I think I think you'll get a lot out of it. Yeah, thanks. I'm going to go and buy it today. Uh, Favorite film. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Um, you know, I want to lie and say a lot of different things, but it's probably like Working Girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and that's only because it's a movie I've watched a million times. Same with Moonstruck. I think that that's because they're New York based mm-hmm. and I love the city and they're funny. And Alec Baldwin takes his shirt off. I mean, it, very stupid reasons. Um, <laughs> I also am like, 
a B movie for me is fine. Mm -hmm. I just need a comfortable seat and, you know, all the conditions to be right. Um, I didn't love Barbie. I'll tell you, I didn't Did dislike you know? it, but I thought it was going to be better. Mm. Um, but it was fun. It was ha- I was happy to go to the movies. I haven't been to the movies in a long time. But I'm just saying, like, uh, it's weird. But Working Girl, I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> Sometimes they don't make them like that, do they? Person who, who like, works hard and achieves. Mm. I like that story like that. Was <laughs> so, it? Oh, it's like The Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox. That's a bit like that as well, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a good movie. Okay, so um... I, I like. I mean, Priscilla. I mean, there's lots of movies that I think you know, Jacob's Ladder. I think is just a great movie, and for very different reasons. I'd never seen anything like that. It scared the hell out of me. Um, and I don't like horror movies. I don't put that in that genre, but it was pretty scary. Mm. Do you know Jacob's Ladder? I've no. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it's it. It's a really good movie. Mm. Yeah, you should, you know, so there are good movies that I enjoy a lot too, but Working Girl is probably my favorite. <laughs> There's you probably know. more the of your work done to, that's like the theme tune, isn't it, in the background of your work? Yeah, exactly. I like it. Um, is there a fact that not many people know about you? Uh, it's pretty much, you know, when you take pictures of yourself having sex through the 80s and 90s, everybody knows everything. But, um, <laughs> uh you know, I watch Judge Judy reruns too while I'm stitching. I mean, I there's nothing really uh, surprising or secretive. There's no fun fact way down deep. You know, I wish there were. Usually, and then you'll go. Oh, by the way, I used to train seals in a circus or something, or just. Well, you know, I do think like counseling men. Uh, pre and post Mm. HIV testing was like a phenomenal uh, honor in my life that I don't talk about, you know, I don't, there's nothing. And it's like, this is such a private and personal moment that I can only be general about things anyways, but like changed my life, you know? So there's a lot of things in my life or, or different things I've done in the hospitals working with patients that, you know, feel like secrets to me, but it's because you, I can't explain them and they're so significant, but they're also moments that aren't, you know, shareable kind of things. So. Mm. Do you get any key takeaways from that kind of stuff? I know that there are people who've worked, you know, in palliative services and stuff. And after a while you get these themes that come from, I don't know, the regrets of people and that kind of stuff. Well, you know, the, um, it was interesting when I worked uh, as a buddy. So I did this buddy program where I would go and uh, visit people in the hospitals in the early eighties who had HIV uh, AIDS at the, you know, if they were in the hospital. And so some were like prisoners. So there was a guard outside. Uh, but I worked for the, I was a volunteer for the AIDS council of Northeastern New York. And I was part of the buddy program in the hotline. So I'd go and, and, it, you know, so I'm sitting there with nothing but my clothing and the cleaning person would come in and look like she was walking on the moon. And, you know, so like there was instances like that where I thought, oh my God, what am I, you know, like I'm very scared now because I don't have any of that equipment on um, it, that pro- have profoundly affected me. But I'll say the other thing about working in the hospitals more recently was that creativity 
is healing. I mean, I knew that and, and this organization I worked for, that was their, their goal. But I saw, like, I worked with this woman, she was in a lot of pain, but she had her young daughter with her. So she couldn't just sit with her pain. She was also caring for it. So I went in to work with both her and her daughter and she didn't really want to work. She just wanted me to sort of work with her daughter. So we were drawing and making things. And um, I, I did a lot of mandala work. So that's what I was, we would draw mandalas or that would be my opening line and they could draw whatever they wanted. And then this woman started drawing and she, and she was in severe pain when I first got in there. And I don't believe her pain was gone but we worked for about an hour and a half and we sort of like just worked and mm. it was quiet. And so I, I think she was at least distracted from her pain in a way. I don't think it alleviated it. I'm not. It took a mind. Over. I don't know what happened in that moment, but it was quiet mm. for a solid hour, which it was chaotic when I had first walked in. And I owe that to, you know, taking the time to be creative. So I do think about that, like with my life, like, well, I do get to come and stitch for five hours mm. and that's got to be healthy. So it's certainly not hurting anybody. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so yeah, I think there was a lot out of working in, in that realm that is significant. Um, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. Okay. So uh, it, it's also like, I think that draws me to, work in those spaces i want to be more familiar with my fears <laughs> i was i wondered whether it might like those people have got actual problems so it shuts out the noise of whatever your problems are in the back of your head well i mean you usually are the healthier person in the room at the moment but <laughs> uh but it's really more about walking alongside things and being helpful mm. like having a reason mm. to walk alongside things yeah. so um if people want to find out more about you, and they should, where should they go? So if you go to my Instagram page, which you've linked to, um, that links to my website. It's got my phone number on it. I mean, like, <laughs> it's not hard to find me. If anybody does ever come to the D.C. area, though, you should definitely look me up and come out to my studio and see my gallery. And if you're really interested, I, like I said, there's hundreds of studios and there are people that come visit and I drive around and go visit my other friends with my friend runs this huge clay studio and there's a beautiful glass studio. I mean, the Gateway Arts District is a phenomenal place. Mm -hmm. I, I moved here and didn't know I moved into an arts district till a month after it. And it's been, you know, life altering in this kind of support we have for each other yeah. and the community I live in. So, I mean... Look me up if you're in the D.C. area. I'm going to uh, fire up my fantasy private jet and I'll pop over and see you very soon. Uh, well, a lot of people do come to D.C. Mm. I mean, the whole country takes vacation here. So I do get to see a lot of people mm. uh, and meet a lot of people that I've met through like Instagram and stuff who come to the city. So yeah. One day I'll do like needle exchange tour or something. And then definitely yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. a long time since I've been to the States. So, um, hey, John. Thanks for having a needle exchange with me. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate you, uh, your contest, all the work you do around the artwork and, and introducing me to so many artists on your site. It's, uh, I really appreciate it. 
Thanks for joining me on another Needle Exchange. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to email hello at needle.exchange. That's N-W-E-D-L dot exchange with any thoughts, comments, or feedback. And if you want to keep up with all the news, sign up to the Needle Exchange mailing list at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Needle Exchange. See you next time.